Rachel, my love. Hello, hello. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Good. Okay, you guys, this is so fun for me. I've been spending the morning thinking about having you on, Rach, and like thinking of our history. (laughs) And I get all like emotional. (laughs) Yeah, we've known each other for like what? five or six years now well Milo's seven and you met because you helped me transition from the small studio to the big studio Mm -hmm. when right after I think he was like six months he was itty bitty yeah I mean because that transition was right when he was so little yeah so I um it's been such a journey, like obviously every, every entrepreneurial journey, <laughs> life journey, <laughs> so cliche, but you've been with me the whole way. And the thing is, is that I, I w- again, was like thinking this morning, I just have so much respect for you and your integrity and your humility and your honesty and how you have continued to be such a force um, in a world that in the wellness, business, fitness, service, coaching um, world that is often extremely overwhelming and not so authentic. Yeah, thank you. So you are my go-to gal for everything business and family and business, right? Because one of your things has always been, how do we do this without it taking over our life? Yes. It's so hard sometimes, but yes, love talking about this. So Rachel's, uh, you can... Um, I always have my friends slash guests introduce themselves in their own words with like sort of where they are right now um, because I just feel like you guys say it better than I could. I just give my little personal like, here's why I love you. And the other big, huge thing besides helping me transition to the studio and then transition away from the studio when you came to my house and worked on that (laughs) Is you also introduced me to my best friend, Anna. I know. (laughs) And that was amazing. And Anna was my first guest because I was so nervous about having a podcast. And she was telling me for so long, just do it. That um, I said, will you come on and just like interview me and we can have a normal conversation? And she said, sure. Oh, I love that. (laughs) I'm so grateful to you and for you in so many ways. So tell everyone words how you describe what you do and who you are (laughs) okay well hey everyone I'm Rachel Cook and I would say I'm a business strategist for women entrepreneurs who want to do work that they love but also lead a life that they love because I believe that you can do meaningful work in the world that truly makes a difference you can be well paid for it And you can enjoy your life along the way. You don't have to wait until someday to have the marriage that you want, the family that you want, the health that you want, the relationships that you want. We can do all of those things now when we start from a place of living and creating businesses intentionally. Mm -hmm. And that's what I am all Mm -hmm. about. The way back, as you guys have heard. Um, (laughs) Because I started my business working specifically with yoga entrepreneurs and health and wellness entrepreneurs over the years that has 
broadened a bit um, as more and more people have found me and asked for support. But it all comes down to the same thing. Like, how do we design our businesses and our lives with intention so that we can have time for what matters most? What do you think, like, where do you think people get most sort of lost or confused along the way? Like, what are you seeing right now as like the biggest distractions or the biggest things that oh, are pulling us from having that? Well, I think the first thing is if, if you're listening to this, you may be one of two types of people. One is super overachieving, ambitious, which is, <laughs> we don't you know, know anyone like that. Really. Don't know anyone like that. And that is my, that is me all the way. Yeah, I have always been like a high achiever. Yeah. And it's, if I set my mind to something, it's not a matter of if I will get there, but when I will get there. Yeah. And the other type of person tends to be a little bit more go with the flow and not so like constantly striving for things. And there's, there's blessings in both. Right. I would say my husband is more of the, like go with the flow type of guy. That's why I married him. I need that balance in my life. Um, and I think one of the things that is hard for especially women entrepreneurs is we have pressures coming at us from all angles. Like I guarantee men do not have the pressures that we have. Mm-hmm. Um, because I have yet to listen to podcasts with predominantly men entrepreneurs where they're talking about how do they make time for self-care and how do they yeah. make time for their relationship and how do they make time to be a good, um, husband and father. But those are the conversations women are having. And it's because the level of pressure we're under to be amazing at everything. Yeah. And add on top of that, the pressure now that I think is at like all time high that you can't just have a business that creates a great lifestyle. It has to be like a business that is millions of dollars of revenue a year and like all of these things. And I think the pressure to grow, 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 scale, 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 scale is actually costing a lot of people their health. Mm -hmm. I mean, seriously, it's costing people their health. I've seen people have, um, you know, personal crises over it. Like Mm -hmm. they've lost their family. They've lost their um, significant other. They've ended up putting themselves into the hospital because they just don't know how to Mm -hmm. rein it all in. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And I think that's hard. Like we have a lot of external pressures. And for me, I always come back to, um, you know, how can I balance my ambition with what matters most to me in my life? Yeah. And that it takes a lot of inner work, the type of work that you're doing. Yeah, you know, it takes yep. a lot of clarity, and it takes a lot of um, being very intentional and being willing to put like the blinders on to all the noise and just saying, you know what, I hear that this is the standard the world has accepted or that the internet has said we should all achieve for, but this is what works for me, and I'm just going to ignore and shut out anything that doesn't align with that. And I think like one of the things, one of the strategies that I think both of us use is that clarity in terms of like, what are the actual numbers I need every month or I yeah. want every month? What are the actual, what's the actual work I want to do in the world? What's the legacy? What's the sort of depth of work and what's most important um, in those numbers and in those benchmarks so that when it's time to stop working, um, like when we hit certain things that we can stop. I yes. think that's like one of the biggest things that I learned from you and then practice and practice and practice because of that ambition, because of that motivation, because of my like deep desire for serving 
that and it, it can like take over my life right and I think that's one of the things that we have in common is like we both do have a lot of intelligence and motivation and ambition and so for us the lifelong practice is going to be coming back to that question in terms of like what are current benchmarks and what's happening in the other areas of my life yeah I think it's so important to really get clear on what your definition of success looks like and if your definition of success like the number the monetary number is great how many hours you want to work is great, but there has to be something else beyond that yeah. because otherwise I hear from so many people who they achieve that benchmark, they achieve that number and they, they don't even take time to celebrate it. It's yeah. like next. And right. it's just a constant cycle of not, nothing is enough. And when yeah. your whole world is driven by that, yeah. it doesn't matter what the benchmark is. Like yeah. nothing will ever be enough. So how can we come from a place of, we are enough. Our work is enough. Yeah. We're doing enough. And when you come from a place of being enough, like everything changes, everything changes. You know, what's so interesting too, is thinking about this. Cause obviously there's like little ohm people who listen to this, who are not running their own business. And I always sure. think these conversations are just so helpful and relevant to all women in the world and hearing all of our different stories and how much we're in common and what's different and all that. So I, I don't think it's, Like, it's not just for entrepreneurs or women in business. However, what do we do or how do we help the women who don't have that kind of control over their schedule, who don't have that kind of control um, over planning blocks and content blocks and hours they want to work? I mean, this world that we're living in with the demands, um, do you have any insights on that? Like, what are you talking to people about with that? Yeah, I often kind of push back on that because I do believe we have more control than people believe. And I think women, especially, we're so used to accommodating everyone else that we convince ourselves that we can't have that. But I know plenty of people, I know plenty of women who are not entrepreneurs who either have regular nine to fives or they work part time or they're stay at home moms. And when I just have, I mean, these are just conversations with friends. And when I have these conversations with them and they're telling me, oh, I can't do that because X, Y, Z. I'm like, but is that true? Yes. Are you telling me? Byron Katie, baby. (laughs) Right? It's like, is that really true? And then we end up having this conversation where it's like, okay, so something as simple as they need time for themselves and their own self-care, right? So they need time to um, have some quiet time or they need time to go on a long walk or they need time to go to the eye doctor. I mean, come on. It could be the basics. And we convince ourselves we don't have time. We don't have time. We don't have time. But then I end up having a conversation with somebody. I'm like, okay, why don't you have time? Well, my husband works all the time and I don't have anyone to watch the kids. Okay. Do your kids have a friend who maybe they could go spend the day over, you know, they could spend a couple hours at their friend's house. You can go to your eye appointment and then you can switch later. Like, yeah. let's find time. I just don't buy into the belief that you yeah. have no control over your life. Yeah. Um, granted, I know maybe that's a very privileged place to come from. Yeah. I'm, I'm yeah. sure there are women who they actually have super limited resources that I can't even comprehend because that's not my experience. Yeah. Yeah. But I would say for the majority of us, there is a way to get what you want. And it means putting yourself first and not always accommodating everybody else. And instead saying, you know what? It is important that I have a couple hours a week to take care of myself. It is important that I have a couple hours a week to um, 
you know, do what I need to do to fill my own cup. And I find that this is so interesting, Pleasance, because this is what you teach and what you practice. And the women who come to work with me from a business standpoint, who tell me they don't have time to do X, Y, or Z, when I push back on this with them and we have to come up with ways for them to get that time or for them to even ask for that support, it's a whole new paradigm. It's a whole new way of living. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think it's just a really I think it's a really important conversation to be having right now that there's this thing that's going around. I wish I knew where it came from. I've been posting it everywhere. Where did this come from? It's the boundaries. It says like boundaries and then it's got five things and it's like it's not my job to make everyone happy. It's not my job. Like it's just really clear and it's really direct and I'm just sort of like sharing it as much as possible as reminders as we break through. You know, I think a lot of the world's Um, that I'm in and you're in, in terms of spirituality, race, business, women, patriarchy, all of these worlds uh, also in meditation are, are in a chaotic crisis right now. That is awesome because it has to happen. Yeah. So this is part of that, this, this unveiling and this unleashing of new paradigms for women, new paradigms for life that are really old which is what I love is that it's actually ancient wisdom. And like when you bring Ayurveda in, you're just like, ah, we've been doing this forever. This is these universal truths that are coming to light and really helping us live with more meaning um, and less of the crazy busy. I feel like that crazy busy quote unquote, you know, how are you crazy busy is kind of fading or at least I don't spend time with a lot of people who say that. So I don't either my small world. (laughs) You know, it's interesting because, um, anytime I'm at an activity with my kids, um, I see other parents and I remember my daughter and son, not last year, the year before they both were in dance classes. So I was spending like two evenings a week hanging out at this dance studio, talking to these other parents And I couldn't even understand why they were complaining. Um, They were like, they were so tired. And this is the parents. The parents are so tired. They're so run down. They were, they didn't have time to get dinner on the table. So they're eating fast food every single night. And when you get to know these parents, you realize they have signed up the one or two or four children they have. Each of those children have activities. And it's like, they don't know how to say no. Yeah. They don't know how to step outside of whatever they have been fed that in order to be a good parent, your kids have to have a million things going on. And because of that, they were exhausted. Their kids were often exhausted and you Mm -hmm. could tell. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's, it's just, this is what we have been fed. We have been fed a steady diet of this is how you do things. Mm -hmm. And the idea of saying no Mm -hmm. is such a huge change. Mm -hmm. Um, And I can tell you, and Pleasance can tell you, it, it saying no takes a lot of courage Mm -hmm. because there's going to be someone who thinks, Oh, well, Mm -hmm. you're not doing a good job if you Mm -hmm. said no to this, Mm -hmm. but it's a practice. I mean, I do put that saying no into our, into our self-compassion practice and into our discomfort practice. Cause at the end of the day, that's what we're really doing is getting more comfortable with the discomfort of not playing into societal norms, not playing into this stuff we're being fed that doesn't serve our lives. Um, Tell me a little bit about the kids and like, so what are their current ages and what is, what are you like currently facing with them? What's interesting about their ages and stages and what are you, what are the challenges? 
So the twins, um, Julie and Alex, boy, girl twins, they're eight and a half. They're going into third grade. Oh my gosh. I can't even believe it. (laughs) Um, They both grew like a foot this summer. So they're Mm -hmm. like little string beans, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, And then Mitchell is five and a half and he's about to start kindergarten. Mm -hmm. So we're entering a new phase of family, you know, our family where all the kids are now officially going to school. And all I've got to say about that is thank you, sweet baby Jesus. Like I am so excited. I can't even tell you because I'm a super introvert. And when the kids are all here all the time, it is very draining for me. So my self-care practice has been super crucial as a mom because otherwise I am just almost like completely zoned out because I'm just overwhelmed with them. Um, They are all very high energy and they are all very extroverted. And hold on. I just want to say something about that is that, and that's okay. Meaning we have this whole idea that if we need a break from our kids, um, that, that means we don't love them or it means we don't, we don't want to spend time with them. And it's just not true. I hear this all the time. Women will say things to me like, but shouldn't I want to spend all my time with them? And no, blah, blah, you know, all these things, again, these, these, like they're, they're these not truths. Um, yeah. because it is important to know who you are in the family dynamic. I mean, that's a lot of people in your house. <laughs> yeah. And in all honesty, I, I mean, I'm a super introvert. I need my quiet time and my husband can actually tell when I have been touched out. So yeah. when they have been yeah. like, literally my kids are stage five clingers. They yeah. always want to be physically on me. They're very, yes. um, like language of of touch is yes. their love language. Love language. Mm-hmm. And for me, it is very exhausting. Um, so I have to choose what feels best for us and be very intentional again about, I would rather have quality time where we are all getting our needs met than run myself ragged, trying to be available all the time to them. Mm-hmm. And I'm very lucky that Jameson is home with me. Like he's a full-time stay at home dad. So we can balance this with each other mm-hmm. and be very intentional about that. So, um, what's mm-hmm. interesting right now is, I guess at eight and a half, we're starting to enter the preteen stage, which Mm -hmm. is really like, I I don't even know if I'm ready for that yet, but you know, I'm lucky. My kids have been very, I mean, overall pretty easy kids. Yeah. Um, they have a difference with the, with your Julie and Alex. Yeah. Preteen stuff. Can you, um, they're definitely more opinionated, especially Mm -hmm. Juliana. I think if she had her way, she, um, would start wearing makeup right now. And, (laughs) you know, she's, she's, um, going to be a very strong woman and I want her to be a very strong woman. She's very opinionated. She came up with her own little business idea this summer, which was to be a mother's helper and made up flyers and sent them out to all of her friends in the neighborhood, which I thought was awesome. Um, she is very opinionated and very like a strong personality. So, my focus with her right now is to just make sure she knows she can always come to me and talk with her because I don't want to be on the wrong side of that strong (laughs) personality in a couple of years. So like yesterday we wandered around target for an hour for her to find a shirt for the first day of school. You know, I do things like that. So, and she tells me, she's like, we need to have a mommy daughter date. And I'm like, okay, what do you want to do? And so I do that kind of thing with them often. I'd rather spend that time one-on-one with them. Yeah. That's really important for them. Um, my son, Alex, is, even though he's, you know, they're twins, he's only two minutes younger than Julie, but he is the most laid back child on the planet. He's totally happy. Like we could both sit in my bed and read books together. And that is his quality time. Mm-hmm. He just wants to physically be near me and that's mm-hmm. fine. Um, 
but he's so interesting and so curious. Like he's mm-hmm. one of those kids that like reads the encyclopedia for fun and wants mm-hmm. to tell you all the facts. So we have a lot of conversations about history and things like that. He's just a really interested in everything type of kid. And Mitchell is, you know, he's only five and a half. Um, he is my most physical kid, <laughs> which like can energetic, be energetic. You mean like energetic? Yeah. He was my child. Period, oh my gosh. <laughs> he is my child who, um, he, you know, I breastfed him the longest. He always wanted to be physically near me. Um, we just literally in the last year got him to go to sleep by himself without having to, he used to lay by me and like wrap my hair around his finger. Yeah. Um, and and so that, that is him. He's, and he's also super physical as in always running, always jumping. He is a kinesthetic learner. So he's always got to have his hands on something, which again, Mm -hmm. this is like super overwhelming for me as a mom, Mm -hmm. but thankfully my husband is like a big kid. So it's like, okay, he needs to get some energy out. Let's go to the pool. Let's go on a run. Let's go on a bike ride. Like let's go on a hike. So we, we kind of tailor what we do with them to what we know they need. Like Mitchell Mm -hmm. has to, if he's not out the door physically moving by 10 o'clock in the morning, it is going to be a rough day. Mm -hmm. And we know that. (laughs) How do you feel like, like thinking about and designing your business Mm-hmm. the way you want to like deliberately has impacted how you parent? Oh, good question. I think because I honestly, I started this business about the same time I got pregnant. I got pregnant with the twins like six months after I started my business and I start. I left corporate because I knew I wanted to have a family. Mm-hmm. So kind of it all happened at about the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like with the twins starting a business and then having twins is very much like you have to set boundaries. You have to say yes. You have to say no. You have to get very intentional because otherwise you will drown. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, totally. Multiples is no joke. And so mm-hmm. any twin mamas out there, any moms of multiples, I feel you. I remember how hard it is. Um, and I had to ask for a lot of help really mm-hmm. fast because I didn't have a choice. I could not do it all by myself. Mm-hmm. And because I started that way, it never even occurred to me that people shouldn't ask for help. I was just like, no, I'm outnumbered here big time. I need help. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So you had to learn that. I mean, that's the thing is people will say like, how did you learn? They ask me all the time how, you know, you seem good at, at accepting help or asking for it or delegating. And that's how I felt about the studio was like running the studio was too overwhelming to not have help. Yep. And when you said things to me, like you need a manager and they need to have systems and you need to be able to leave. I was like, okay, got it. And I knew that that was sort of the path to making this work, you know, making that work. Yeah. Um, what about Jameson? So he's staying home. Is he working in your business now or he's not? And tell me about that and how that dynamic plays out in your relationship and then sort of All I have to say is, first of all, anyone who's considering working with their significant other, (laughs) never, but yes, (laughs) it it sounds romantic, but here's the reality of it. Um, Jameson left, he was a middle school English teacher. So Mm -hmm. he worked with seventh graders, um, like 90, I know 90, 12 and 13 year olds a year. Mm -hmm. Um, so he did that up until Mitchell was born. And then we got serious about, do we want to both of us be home and have the flexibility? Because the first you know, five years of my business, um, I was 
by myself with the kids hiring help in the house because I, I needed it. There was no way I could afford. It was honestly cheaper to have a nanny come to the house than it was to put two kids in daycare. Mm-hmm. Um, but when we had Mitchell, we got serious. We we're like, okay, what would it look like if you were home with us? Because I think at that point he was getting burned out on teaching and anybody yeah. who's taught in public schools, you yeah. understand. Yeah. Um, so initially he came home with the intention that he would work with me um, on certain things in the business specifically. I mean, he's an English teacher. So having him available to do content is fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, having, and he's very good at the technology stuff. So having him to do like the podcast and things like that. So that's initially what we started doing, but we realized pretty quickly that um, it was hard to work together. And so we've gone back and forth between him working with me and doing other projects on his own. Mm-hmm. Um, right now, he is, now that Mitchell's going to school, mm-hmm. um, he's going to come back and do some work with me, but also do some work with other clients. So, like, things he's been able to do for me, like putting our podcast together, turning that yes. into um, blog posts, et cetera. Like, we have systems that he can basically go and offer to other Mm-hmm. entrepreneurs so we're working on that for this coming school year but the last couple of years he's pretty much just worked maybe 10 hours a week for my business and the rest of the time been the default parent <laughs> which mm-hmm. is great mm-hmm. because I was the default parent for a long time and it's hard mm-hmm. it's helpful when he can pick up the slack so that I can focus on business stuff mm-hmm. and that he was like able and willing and wanting to do that. I think that, again, I just like to share all the variety of ways that families make it work because where we live in DC, there is a pretty typical one way. And I think that's probably in a lot of cities and a lot of um, sort of more um, cerebral academic, like there's a lot of lawyers in DC and there's a lot of, Mm -hmm. you know, this is the way you do it. And so I love sharing like I just had I just did a recording with one of my yoga friends who's living in a school bus with her three girls traveling the world and they basically were like living in Texas and we're like why are we so unhappy why do we have this big ass house and these fancy jobs and we're so unhappy so they sold everything and they're just traveling and doing homeschool and he's a doctor. Like, it's just awesome. So I'm trying to also yeah. be intentional with just sharing all the different ways that we make it work. You guys live in Richmond. We do. Also, um, which I'm obsessed with now that I've been a few times. It's the cutest place. And we have a lot of people in D.C. actually who relocate to Richmond because of lifestyle. Yes. Because they want to make some of these alternative and alternative is not even the right word anymore, but just kind of these ways of living that make um, it more sustainable and joyful people like about joy. Well, and that's one thing I love about Richmond. Like it fits us really well right now because I mean, compared to DC or some other cities, it's incredibly affordable. Like we live pretty cheap here. Um, And that's awesome. The schools are amazing. Yeah. We have amazing parks. So my husband is big into into hiking and climbing and stuff like that. We're really close to some amazing parks here in the city. Yeah. We're really close to the mountains if we want to escape for the weekend. We're really close to the beach if we want to go that other way. Like right. for us, lifestyle here is it's so simple yeah. um, and easy. So yeah, it makes I'm, a difference. I'm yeah. all for setting yourself up for making it easier and. I love that you said you had a friend who, you know, sold everything and they're just kind of traveling. I have several people who I've worked with who that was their whole goal was to get yeah. their business to the point where they could work from a laptop from anywhere, 
and have that flexibility. I'm a huge advocate of that. Um, Okay. Last topic I really want to dig into is something that you've brought up a bunch, which is self-care. And obviously this is the soulful self-care session. So it's really, I talk about self-care in terms of like, that's kind of more the language I use when I'm talking about Ayurvedic and yogic Mm -hmm. practices that have been around forever. Um, But a lot of people don't even know how to spell Ayurveda. So it's easier to say self-care. Sure. (laughs) That's really what it is. But we've both experienced um, uh, symptoms, physical symptoms of burnout or working Mm -hmm. too much, which has led us down this deep path of our own experience with self-care and really having to prioritize it in Mm -hmm. order to stay the leader and the CEO of our business and our family, right? Yes. So tell me about your self-care, like the experience, the journey, what it looks like now. So self-care wasn't even in my vocabulary like 10 years ago. Um, It was, I want to say 2007, 2008 when I quit corporate consulting and then I was working 75, 80 hours a week. I was not exercising. I was eating junk food, like Mm -hmm. stuff you could grab really quickly because I was always traveling to see clients. Um, So for me, self-care started with the basics. Like how do I actually physically take care of this human um, instead of treating my body like some sort of machine and just dumping garbage in it? So that was the first thing for self-care for me was like, how do I actually get good sleep? How do I, um, Mm -hmm. how do I eat well and not even some crazy diet, but like things that aren't coming from a drive-thru, you know, Mm -hmm, basics. mm -hmm. I mean, super basic, you guys. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And those were um, game-changing for me because at that point I had depleted myself to the point where I was having adrenal fatigue. Mm -hmm. And that takes – getting – bouncing back from that takes learning about, okay, how do you get your hormones back in check? Mm -hmm. What do you need to do? with supplements? Do I need to have my blood work taken? Do I need to change what I'm eating? Do I need to change how I'm sleeping? Do I need to change and add in? For me, it was a lot of how do I manage my stress? Um, which is how yoga became such a huge part of my life because yoga turned my life around. It gave me an outlet to Mm -hmm. physically work the stress out of my system instead of it kind of festering inside of me. Um, so that was a big part of it for me is the physical aspect of self-care. As I learned more, I realized, okay, there's like a, a mental aspect of self-care or um, an, an emotional level of self-care. I learned that self-care is saying no. I learned self-care is setting boundaries. Um, I learned that self-care is waking up and if you don't feel great that morning, instead of just pushing through, which is what I used to do, (laughs) instead it's just, you know, sending a note out to the team and saying, hey guys, not feeling 100%, I'm taking the morning off Mm -hmm. so I can rest and maybe, you know, whatever I need. If I need to go on a long walk, if I needed to get a massage, if I needed to, you know, eat a good breakfast, Um, It's acknowledging what I actually need and being Mm -hmm. in tune enough with myself that I could figure that out. Mm Because for a long time, I just didn't even know what I would need. I couldn't just sit there and say, okay, Rach, what do you really need today? You need a nap. Or, okay, Rach, what do you really need today? You need to just not think about everything. So we need to read a book. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like Mm -hmm. I couldn't even do that because I was so out of touch with my own needs. So that's kind of a long, windy 
yeah way to get around it but it's it's whatever um what led me into it was mostly the physical elements of understanding self-care like how do I take care of my physical body that opened up enough understanding of how much of a difference it could make for me to then get into the emotional the spiritual aspects the mental aspects to really get to the point now where I can sit down in the morning with a journal and a cup of coffee and figure out what do I need today Mm -hmm. and then address those needs and I think this is the thing you know that we I sort of like walk my peeps through a lot is the it's a it takes time Mm -hmm. to unravel to reset the system to get sort of back in tune with your natural energy and vibrancy and vitality which is already there it's just congested and stagnated in a lot of people and that was my experience and sort of um doing that enough till you get to this daily rhythm so that you can eventually do exactly what you're saying, which is sit down and ask myself that question. And here's the key. Here's the part that I love is that because my planning and my ideal calendar and block scheduling is so rhythmic, I'm not and spacious and abundant and I'm consistent with it, which is all that Kappa energy is like, I'm not afraid to take a day off. I'm not afraid to take a morning off just to go for a, a walk or a hike or a swim or a nap because I can move the neck. I can move that content block to another open block or yes. I can be strategic about what is most important today and what can be moved to next week. So that's how it actually integrates. This is the difference between reading all the books mm-hmm. versus actually living the life. And being able to trust that rhythm and have yourself set up so that you can be really strategic about moving the things you have to do and you want to do, you know? Absolutely. And I think it's so challenging because, I mean, fundamentally, we're talking about a shift from living in emergency mode Yes. Yeah. to living in a whole different way where yeah. there is no emergency day to day. Totally. Totally. And not only is that mentally and and physically I mean it's so energetically different you can tell the difference between people who are living in emergency mode and that's because they're the ones who are saying they're crazy busy they're constantly stressed you recommend like you look at them and you're like hey girl maybe you should just like take an hour to yourself and I don't even think I could do that yeah um because they're frantic all the time and that frantic energy is not helpful for anybody much less raising a family or being in relationship or running a business. Like you can't do that. Um, And it's interesting because I never thought I'd talk so much about self-care in business, but when I share things like, Hey guys, I have a three hour morning routine (laughs) before I even sit down to work. And people are like, how do you do that? I'm like, well, I thought I had to take, it took me some time to get here. But like you said, it's spacious I know what I need. I know that there are some routines I'm going to do in my morning that set my day up to make it easier. And because nothing is an emergency, I can easily, you know, make space if I need it for something else. I will give a quick tip though. And this is something that I learned from Anna, um, guest jelly, who you mentioned earlier. Mm -hmm. Um, I remembered we were at lunch at some point and she showed me this thing. It was like a note that she had written on her phone and it was, or no, it was like a, it was something she had written. I don't remember if it was on her phone or a blog post she wrote or something, but it was like um, a quick checklist 
for how to take care of herself. Yes. Yes. Do you remember what I'm talking about? Oh yeah. About? We, and I share, it's actually part of the thrive lessons in the self-care lesson and thrive that my like, yep. online course it's, it's the, it's the lesson it's links to all her stuff. <laughs> and I remember her care instruction. Well, I remember. Yeah. So I remember we had this mm-hmm. conversation about it and I was like, this is amazing mm-hmm. because when you are making the shift, it is so hard to know what you need. Mm-hmm. Like, like you said, everything's congested, nothing's mm-hmm. clear. So I took that idea and I wrote it out on my own and I messaged it to my husband and my team. Mm -hmm. And I was like, if Rachel seems overly stressed out, here are the 10 things you can do to help her because she doesn't know what she needs yet. And, and maybe if we can do a process of elimination, we can get her out of the state. And that was so incredibly helpful for me. So I know now I can sit down in the morning and kind of pinpoint what I need for the day, but before I, I had that, that's how my morning routine developed was because I was like, okay, I'm trying to figure out what I actually need. And so I would try different things. Yeah. Exactly. I learned that I'm terrible at meditating without like an app that guides me through something. Like I yeah. tried regular meditation. Wasn't for me. I, I couldn't do it very well. Um, but I found what works and it's a process of elimination. And then you find the routines that really help you. Yeah. And you just have to, like you said, stay consistent with them. And try, I mean, the bottom line of all of this is the trust, is the self, the deep self-trust that you will show up again tomorrow, that the rhythm and the ritual and the routine of that ideal, that, that block, that content block or that calendar block is going to come again next week. So if you need to do it, then, you know, one of the things I noticed, I just started building a small team again. I was Uh very... Um, it's been a, two and a half years since I closed the studio. So yeah. it's, I've been two and a half years basically on my own with just a VA that had a lot of different, had a lot of space between us. Yeah. Um, I needed that sort of being on my own. And now the Thrive community is growing and I brought on two of the Thrivers to help with the community, um, being community leaders and community mentors. And one of the things that happened last week or two weeks ago was that some, one of the women got sick. Mm-hmm. And she wasn't feeling well. And she was trying to push through. And she was trying to keep her deadlines. And I could feel her energy through base camp um, and through the, t- the tone of yep. the writing. And I called her and said, please stop. We don't work this way. And she didn't trust me yet because she's so used to people saying stuff but not actually living it in terms of her quote unquote bosses that she didn't trust me. And she was, and I kept saying to her, take a break, breathe. And she'd write back, I'll get it to you tomorrow. I'll get it to you tomorrow. And I said, please take care of yourself. So I finally called her and I said, and she started crying. She said, I, I didn't realize how much people have told me to do that. And then not really let me do that. Yep. So how has your, how has this way of running your business impacted your team and their lives? Oh my gosh. It's so funny because, um, I mean, my team is pretty small and mighty. I love that. And Amber, Amber and I, um, she's my operations manager. We've worked together since 2011. So for a long time now, and it's funny because we're very in sync and we tell each other like, okay, what are you doing this weekend? Like we hold each other accountable that we're actually taking time off. Mm -hmm. Um, she can tell when I, I message her and I'll be like, oh my gosh, I need to process this can I just download? Yeah. (laughs) And, and like, we've developed this own shorthand where she knows 
how I work and I know how she works. So if, she, if she's trying to figure something out, like we can support each other in that. If she has something going on um, in her personal life, her kids are older than mine. Her kids are in high school. So sometimes she'll have stuff coming up that I, I have no idea what's going on um, or how, how it must be to have teenagers right now. But she knows she can message me anytime and be like, Hey, this came up, got to get in the car and handle it. And I'll be like, cool. There's no emergency. Right. There's no emergency. And because of the level of trust that we have, um, I know the work is going to get done. Right. She knows I'm going to show up and do what I need to do. Um, we hold each other accountable. If we need, if we need that, um, support, which often looks like, Hey, can we just jump on Skype and for a few minutes so I can like, she's the one person I can call if I'm feeling overwhelmed about everything. And I'll say, I need to download this and process it. Right. (laughs) That's our language. And so she knows like, Hey, I'm not giving you a huge to-do list. I'm just trying to figure out where we are. Right. Um, Right. But having that level of trust is so huge and knowing that, Hey, things are going to get done. There is no emergency. Yeah. It's a game changer. And most businesses do not operate that way. You're right. Like most yeah. businesses don't. Um, most teams don't. And that's one reason we shifted some things in our business because it was starting to feel too yeah. um, stressful, like doing launches, which yeah. anyone who doesn't know what that is, it's like a big promotion to fill a program. So my signature program, Sweet Spot Strategy, we would have like a whole month dedicated to marketing and promoting and selling spots for that. And we would, you know, the enrollment deadline would end and we would be like flat on our backs. Like even though we had so many of the systems in place, it's still, it's still tiring. So we decided, you know, this is not working for us. Let's shift it so that nothing is that stressful on us. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's been huge to change the business so that it's less stressful. So nothing's an emergency. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think that everyone comes to that statement different in different ways. Like my former work before the studio in DC public schools did feel like an emergency because I was teaching very poor children to read in first grade. And I felt like if you do not learn in this class, I don't know that you will. So I felt urgency and emergency. (laughs) And so now every time with the studio, I've been like, this is not an emergency. Everyone's going to be okay. This is yoga in Northwest DC. We're okay. We are okay. People, you know, just trying to take it down a notch and not make everything so crazy. And I do want to clarify really quickly because we, we started at the beginning of of our chat talking about like, there's two types of people, like the more type a people Mm -hmm. and then kind of the more laid back people. The more laid back people, if you're listening to us, don't think that this doesn't mean don't act with urgency for things totally, that matter. Totally. I realized when I said the word urgent, I was like, well, sometimes there's yeah. urgency. <laughs> well, and because like- But not emergency, yeah. <laughs> well, so for example, I got a message from somebody who's been watching my show on, I have a weekly show and podcast called Uncomplicate Your Business. And she actually did the assignment, which was to track your week, track it on paper, track what you were doing um, to see where the- where the problems were. Mm -hmm. And so she did it. She messaged it to me and I could see looking at this, she had no urgency in getting the most important things done. And this is where, um, it's a balance, right? You have to know yourself. You have to know your personality type. Yep. Yep. Because some people are going to need that little kick in the pants to do the things that matter. Yep. And that's the kapha. So from an Ayurvedic perspective, that's that kapha energy that the, the prescription is always action. 
Yeah. And for the pizza energy, which is what we have more of that fire, that urgency, it's the opposite, it's the opposite. We need to take my Ayurveda teachers always like there's 19 morning rituals, pleasance do four, you know, like she's always calling me out. Otherwise I will beat my ass will be up at 3am doing 19 rituals, you know? And she's like, no, no, no. I'm saying 19. Cause I want those kaffas to maybe do four. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like, so it's, it's, it is exactly your spot on with that. Um, yeah. one th- other thing I forgot, which we've never talked about. How did you like the author castle? How did, did I you like go to Angela's author castle last year? I didn't. I actually, um, met up with a bunch of people who were at her author castle for a uh, mastermind. I met most of them ended up in New York, um, oh. a couple of days later. <laughs> so we ended up all hanging out there. So I didn't get a chance to meet Angela because she didn't come to the, to the New York, oh. to the next thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but I did see that she just bought an amazing building she and did. in Georgetown. Mm-hmm. I can't wait to see it. So I'm definitely going to be doing something to come up and, and see what she's working on. I'm super inspired by her. Yay. Okay, tell everyone about your event in D.C., date, time, CEO retreat. Are there still spots, and who should come to this event? Yes. um, As of right now, there are still spots. We are hosting a one-day strategic planning event called the CEO retreat, and the goal of the CEO retreat is to help you create a 90-day plan so that you can achieve your big goals for fall. So this is a process I use with all of my private clients and I've pulled it together into a one day event where collectively we're going to take your big goals for the fall and reverse engineer them into the exact action steps you need to do and then wrap it up with how do you stay accountable and there's a coaching component afterwards for the three months following to help you stay accountable to the plan that you've created. So we're hosting this in um, August 24th in Washington, D.C. Um, we have an amazing group of women who are going to be there, just amazing entrepreneurs. It, you should be there if you are an entrepreneur, if you are a world changer, if you are an innovator and you have goals that you want to achieve and you just need the support and the structure and the accountability of someone sitting down with you to turn those goals into weekly action plans. So you can learn about it um, at my website, rachelcook.com slash CEO retreat. I had the pleasure of attending the one in January and I'm hoping to pop by the one, um, in a few weeks in DC. And the thing that I most appreciate is again, the clarity, the consistency, the way that you're, you set up the system and the framework is so powerful and yeah. learning how to do that for yourself as you approach each season is, um, it's just super in line with sort of seasonal self-care, obviously, Absolutely. you're looking at it. But at the same time, is that I actually think, you know, there's a lot of women in D.C. who have a lot of responsibility within their their work. And I think that this, the way you have it set up is mm-hmm. so powerful for anybody who has goals has a lot of responsibility and has a real desire to move through them and without any BS. Yes. I think it's just a, I think it's such an awesome model um, for all of us in terms of really translating those dreams and ideals and goals into our daily lives and our daily work and setting up our lives so that we can 
really move through the work we want to do. So I really appreciate all of the tools that you provide, um, the way that you've been so thoughtful about it, and then really holding that accountability within the framework. It's just beautiful. Thank you so much for all all the stuff that you do, all the work that you do, all the encouragement, the way that you talk about your family and integration, um, all the areas of your life. I just can't say enough positive things about the influence that you've had on my work and so many others. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, thank you so much, (laughs) Plez. Um, all right, girl, we'll love you. And, uh, if anyone has any questions, feel free to reach out to me because I've worked with Rach in all different ways and I'm happy to give a big thumbs up a plus to everything she does. Um, or reach out to Rach at rachelcook.com. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Bye.